Hey, it's good to be with you. I always enjoy coming to Westside. You know, we have begun an amazing tradition. Some of you know this. This is the fourth year in a row that I have preached here the Sunday after Christmas. And so every time I get to come in right after Christmas, and you got your Christmas decor up, and and uh, and I, I get fresh water every year, and uh, it was really great. And, um, you know, just, uh, it's a nice little tradition. I don't have this tradition with any other church, okay? So it's kind of neat, and I enjoy being here. I'm glad Brother Allen and his family, uh, following the Christmas season, can have a, a nice time away together. And again, I always do love, and you know, I love your choir. Thank you guys so much. You know, not every church has choir today, but I love your choir. They do a great job. And I hadn't heard that song all Christmas, and I was, I was really getting into that there. That was good. You can sing that one all year round, too. It's traditionally a Christmas song, but it's got the gospel story in it, doesn't it? Great, great song. Thank you, choir, for all your good work. Uh, today, I'd like for you to take your copy of the Word of God, if you would, and turn with me to the 29th chapter of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29. You know, it's the 29th day of the year, of the, of the month, 29th of uh, December, and we'll look at Jeremiah 29, which is a pretty, uh, well-known passage, but this is what I felt led to share with you today. And now, uh, while you're finding your place there, we'll be beginning in a few moments in verse four, but let me say that on this last Sunday of 2019, this is a time often for looking back. Uh, reflecting on the past. Uh, a lot of times uh, the, in the news media, there will be retrospectives on, on the past year. And now on the past decade, I didn't even realize we were at the end of a decade, but at the past decade. And so there's a lot of reflection, a lot of looking back, but also a time of looking forward with the dawning of a new year on the threshold, anticipating the future. And you know, all of that's well and good uh, on a day like this. But you know, some people in life, if they're not careful, can fall into this trap of living their whole lives that way, where every day becomes a reliving of the past, or it becomes a daydreaming of the future. And in the process, what happens is this, they fail to live for today. And that's kind of what happened to a group of God's people long ago. Uh, back in the 6th century before Christ, the once mighty kingdom of Judah had fallen under the domination of a foreign invader, a foreign power. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had sent his forces in to occupy Jewish territory. And then also Nebuchadnezzar uh, decided to deport many of the Jews, not all, but many of them from their homeland and take them to live in Babylon. So a great number of people were uprooted and they found themselves in exile in a strange and foreign land. Uh, this was a disheartening time, as you can imagine, for the Jewish people. Now, interestingly, in the midst of that, that very unpleasant situation, some Jews were anticipating a quick reversal in fortunes, uh, hoping, believing, wishing, praying that things would soon turn around and they could get back to life as normal and that they'd soon be able to get back um, to what they had known before. In fact, there was at least one prophet, 
a prophet by the name of Hananiah, who was telling the people this was only a short-term condition. Now, he didn't get that message from God, but he was telling the people what they wanted to hear. In fact, he was saying, hey, folks, we're just going to be here two years tops, and then we're out of here. So the Jews living in exile bought into that. They began biding their time and anticipating that after a relatively short stay, they were going to be back home again. And it's in that context that God spoke to his prophet, Jeremiah, who in turn spoke to the exiles in the form of a letter that he wrote them and sent them from Jerusalem. And that's the text we're going to look at today, the text of that letter. Beginning in verse 4 of Jeremiah 29, it says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For its welfare, you will find, in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they're prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have, de- where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. We'll stop right there. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now, <clears throat> what's the gist of this letter? Well, for one thing, the Lord is saying, don't listen to the false prophets who are prophesying an early return to your homeland because they're wrong. I didn't send them. They're, they're just dreaming their own dreams here. This isn't true. But then I want to again notice particularly verse 5, 6, and 7. Read that carefully with me again. That's the real heart of this. Verse 5, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. What is God saying here? Basically this. In other words, get on with living. Quit putting your life on hold. Do the things that people are supposed to do. Roll up your sleeves. Get involved. Invest yourself where you are. 
Make your life count where you are. Don't live in the yesterday, uh, the dreams of yesterday or, uh, or the dreams of tomorrow, but live for today, here and now, in the present. Notice, notice if you will also verse 10. For the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise. Now, what's the significance of that number? The number 70? Basically, 70 years is roughly a lifetime. And, and so that's really the message God is seeking to convey here through Jeremiah. God's saying, you may be here for the rest of your lives. You may be here for a lifetime. And so he's saying, dig in. You're not here for a short sabbatical by any means. You're here for the long haul. And, and now that wasn't exactly what the exiles wanted to hear. We probably wouldn't have wanted to hear that as well. But note that the letter ends with a promise. Verse 14, again, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So what he's saying here is don't be dismayed. God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't abandoned you. God is going to take care of you. This may not be how you had planned for your life to go, but this is part of God's good plan. And it may not seem like it's a good plan right now, but it is. So don't worry. God is allowing this for your benefit. And in the end, in his time, he's going to return his people to their land. Now, how does this ancient story relate to us? I mean, most of us here in Berea, Kentucky, have never been deported to a foreign land, thank God. Uh, most of us here, if not all, have never been forced to live under the domination or the occupation of a foreign power. But still, all of us have had, or we will have, Periods of, in our lives when we find ourselves in a situation that we just don't want to be in. But still, but still, like the exiles, we have to learn that those periods of life are not something we need to hurry to or wish ourselves through or, or try to skip over altogether. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit about what are some things that we're talking about here. Well, let's say a hitch in the military. You know, so you signed up for the military and they, you thought they promised you you were going to have your own condominium and you were going to be a general after two weeks and all that. And you got in the military and it was tough. And so some guys are waiting, hurrying to get through that hitch in the military. Or maybe it's in school. You're in school. Oh my, you just want to hurry life along, get through this year, get through the next year, get, get out of school. Or maybe it was a job. Sandy and I used to live in Danville, Virginia. And, uh, pastored there, and that was a big mill town in its heyday. We knew a lady there who had retired from the mill many years ago, and she always had this colorful way of describing her career. In fact, I heard her share this more than once when she would give her testimony about her life. She'd tell people, I worked at the mill for 45 years, 6 months, 29 days, 37 minutes, and 15 seconds. She would go something like that. Uh, have you ever been in a job like that? <laughs> or years ago... I knew a pastor who was at a church for just 18 months. I think Brother Allen's been here a little longer. But guy was just there for a total of 18 months, and he confided in me that he spent 17 of the 18 months trying to get out of there. So no sooner did he got there, and he thought, Oh, Lord, I, I've made a mistake. 
There are other examples of life we could think of as well. We've all been there. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you, on this last Sunday, 2019, maybe you are going through a difficult time in your life. Maybe it's a time of adjustment, time of transition of some sort, a time of adversity and challenge, a time of difficulty, and you just assume for it to be over with. So you can get on with your life the way that you want your life to be. Well, let's let's look at the exiles here and let's see what we can learn from this about those kind of situations. Uh, First of all, I want to say this to you. Difficult periods of life can be times of preparation and learning. Difficult periods of life can be times of preparation and learning. God was using this unique time in the life of the exile community to teach his people a fresh lesson about their need to depend solely on him. God wanted to use this faith in their life to lead them to greater faith and obedience. He wanted to use this season of life to build their character. He wanted to use this time to mold and shape them into what he desired for them to be. And so, interestingly here in, in this letter, when he called on them to actually pray for their captors, to actually pray for the good of the Babylonians among whom they dwelt, what a bold step that was. They'd never done anything like that before. Think about this. It predated by six centuries the teachings of Jesus who instructed us to pray for those who despise us or persecute us. And this call to prayer was really an effort to get God's chosen people to fulfill God's will for them, what God had intended all along, because going all the way back to Abraham, the birth of the Jewish nation, remember this? God told Abraham that his descendants would be a light to the nations. And now they had an opportunity to do that, to be light in the midst of the Babylonians. So this very difficult time in the life of the Jewish people was a time of spiritual growth. It was a time of preparation. It was a time of instruction. And so it is with the difficult times in our own lives. So often when difficulties arise... We find ourselves complaining. We find ourselves trying to get out of a situation when we ought to be seeking the Lord and growing and learning and, yes, even praising Him in adversity. I never will forget this. Uh, In my first pastorate many years ago, I was visiting a, a mother and her teenage daughter. The teenage daughter was in the hospital. She was in and out of the hospital uh, with with different ailments, but she she had lupus was a condition she had, and so she found herself in the hospital. And I went in, no, so mom and the, the were there, and the girl was in the bed in the hospital. And I remember them saying this to me: he "said You know, we're just trying to learn everything God wants to teach us through this experience." You know, I, I've never forgotten that, but I've thought about this beyond that. You know, it's hard enough isn't it, going through tough times in and of themselves. But imagine going through a time of adversity or a time of difficulty and not learning anything from it. I I mean, that that's a double tragedy, isn't it? If we miss out on the lesson we could learn from a time of adversity. So we need to be open and available and seeking God to teach us 
through those times. Um, my friends, listen, if, if you're in a difficult situation, if you find yourself in a challenging, seemingly thankless situation, it may be, it may be that God is preparing you for something down the road. You don't see it now, but he is. Think about Moses. He, he was raised the first 40 years of his life uh, in the palace of Pharaoh. He was among the riches of Egypt. He had all the best. And then you remember he, he fled, he left later, and he wound up out in the wilderness, uh, out in the backside of the desert, as it were, for 40 years, tending, tending smelly, dirty sheep. And it was not a glamorous position. Uh, it's not somewhere that I'm prob- probably he enjoyed to be. But he's out there in this place of obscurity, forgotten, like he had no future at all. But God was using that. God used that 40-year period in the wilderness or in the desert with those sheep to teach him how to lead uh, the Israelites. So that when he was called of God, he could go and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. And he led them out of Egypt and led them for the next 40 years. You never know what God might be doing right now in your life. What he may be preparing you for. We look for the glamorous position sometimes. But sometimes it's in obscurity on the backside of the desert. Again, with those smelly, obstinate sheep. But God may have us there for a reason. You know, you remember the principle that, that Jesus taught us in the parable of the talents? He said this. I won't go through that whole parable, but he said this in, in some ways. He said, to the one who had been faithful and was rewarded for his faithfulness, God said, you, Jesus said, you have been faithful over a few things. Now I'm going to make you master over many. In other words, you had this little job here, but you were faithful. And you did it well. And you proved yourself. And now I'm going to give you a bigger opportunity as well. So friends, listen, whatever you're going through, squeeze everything out of it you can so that you will learn everything from it that you can. Difficult periods of life, again, can be times of, of, of growth and, and preparation. But then let me point out this to you as well. While each phase of life is preparation for the next, Each phase also stands alone. That's important. Don't forget that. While each phase of life has a purpose, it's preparation for the next, each phase also is important on its own. It stands alone. When we go through any phase of life, we should never see it as only a temporary phase. We should see it as a valuable time of life, full of opportunity right then and there. If You know, it would have been awfully easy for the exiles to have said, hey, this is just a phase we're going through. This is just a phase we're going through. A little while we're going to be out of here, and then we can really live. Then we can really serve God. We'll just, we'll just bide our time for, here for a while and, uh, and, and get through this, and, and then we can really live. But you know, God had different ideas. God basically was saying, serve me now. Serve me now. Bloom where you're planted. Invest yourself where you are. You know, you think about us sometimes. Think about, let's think about when, when I, and I know we've got different ages in the room here. Let's all think, let's go back and imagine we're back in school again. 
uh, back in, in maybe elementary school or high school, and, and, uh, and life's moving along, and it seems to be moving along slowly, and, and, all, and we've got all these different interests, you know, and we say, well, you know, when I get out of school, when I get out of school, man, I'll, I'll have more time for God. I, when I get out of school, I'll have more time to serve the Lord. Well, what happens? You go on from there. Maybe you go to college and you say, well, you know, college, man, there's studies and the schedule and everything. When I get out of college, then I can really focus. When I get beyond all this, I'll have time to serve the Lord. Or then you say, well, you know, when I, you get out of college then and you maybe start a career and say, well, you know, when I get married and I have a family and we get settled down and all that, then I'll really have time to serve the Lord. Now laugh, okay, if you want to right now. Yeah, we'll have time to serve the Lord when we, when we get married and have a bunch of kids. We'll really have time. Well, then you say, well, you know, boy, this is a busy time of life. Oh, my goodness, we don't have time for, for church or anything like that. So when the kids get older, when the kids get older, and we can leave them on their own more and all that, then we'll have time for God. Then we'll have time to serve the Lord. Or then you say, well, you know, life is so hectic. Uh, when the kids leave home, oh, my, then we're going to have time to serve the Lord. And guess what? Kids will leave home. They get married, grandkids come. Then you say, well, when the grandkids get older, right now we're really focused on them. We're helping the parents a lot. But when we get beyond that, when the grandkids get older, we'll have time. We'll have time for God. We'll have time to serve the Lord. Or then you say, man, so busy. When I retire, when I finally retire, oh my, then... And I've heard people tell me this, by the way. Pastor, oh, I'm going to be able to do so much for the church when I retire. I never see them after that. When I retire. Or then they say, and then you know what happens when people retire? They start doing different projects, don't they? And they say, well, you know, gosh, I'm busier in retirement now than when I was working. So when I get this project done, I'll have time for God. When I get this done, well, there's this other project coming along. But when I get that project done, there'll be time to serve the Lord. You know what happens? Pretty soon... Everything becomes a temporary phase you're going through. But you add all of those phases up, all of those little phases up, and you know what you get? A lifetime. A whole lifetime. And before you know it, your time's all gone. It was just a series of temporary phases, but you never got down to actually living life because you kept waiting for life to happen. And you missed it. You missed it. Because life came in all of those little unexpected packages. All those little temporary phases. All those seeming interruptions and distractions that you tried to rush through while you were waiting on life to happen. Wow. You know, I can look back in my life, and and especially younger, I can think about missed opportunities. Uh, when I was back in school or in college or when I was a young adult, and I just think, man, I should have done this or I shouldn't have done that. But I just, I, I, I missed it because I was guilty of thinking my life was ahead of me, you see. I'm just in this phase right now. I'm preparing. I'm getting ready. I'm a young person. But my life is ahead of me. What I didn't realize is I was living my life right then. I was living life right then. And uh, listen, each phase of life, each moment, each place where God puts you along life's way is important. Don't fail to see that. 
And church family, this is why I would urge churches that don't, for example, don't talk about children and youth as, as the future of the church. We sometimes do that. They're the church right now. If they're part of the body, if they're born again believers, baptized in the body, they are the church now. So don't say, well, you'll be the church someday. They're the church now, okay? What else do we see from this? Don't live in the past or in the future. That's what it comes down to. Don't live in the past or in the future. That was the exile's problem. That's often our problem as well. It's always been a problem. It's always a snare. It's always a temptation. Think back about after Jesus went to the cross, He was buried, rose again, of course, and the resurrected Lord made a number of appearances on the earth before the day that He ascended. In Acts 1, we have the story of Jesus' ascension to heaven. And, and you remember the disciples were there uh, around Him as He descended. And, and as Jesus was, was, was lifted on up and went on up to heaven, they were just standing there looking up and gazing, just looking up. And, and maybe they were thinking of the past, the past three years or so of Jesus' life and ministry and all the times they'd had with Him. Maybe they're thinking about the future. Jesus said He's going to come back. So they're thinking about Jesus' return. But you remember there was, there was a voice of an angel that said this, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? And that woke them up. It woke them up. They needed that. They heard that. And then they went on to do what they'd been called to do. They went on to Jerusalem and they prepared for the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. You know what I've noticed in my many years as a pastor? And I was a pastor for 30 years before I became a DOM or an AMS or whatever in the world I am. But a lot of folks used to talk, a lot of folks talk about what they used to do for the Lord. They do. A lot of folks will talk about what they used to do for the Lord. Or a lot of other folks will talk about what they're going to do for the Lord. But a lot less folks are just simply serving the Lord today. Listen, do you remember how when Jesus died on the cross, there were three crosses there on Mount Calvary. Jesus in the middle, thieves on either side of him there on the cross, or there, there that day, all being executed by the Roman authorities. Jesus' cross again was in the middle of the three. Think about this. He was sacrificed between two thieves. Now, Today, the present, right now, the moment in which we're living, often is something we sacrifice between two thieves. Yesterday and tomorrow. And you say yesterday and tomorrow rob the life out of today if we let it, if we sacrifice it, you see. So don't put life on hold while life is actually going on and passing you by. Don't dwell in the past or in the future, but live for today. Every day is a gift from God. Every day is a gift from God. You know, we have good days, we have bad days, don't we? But every day is a gift from God. The psalmist said it well. This is the day the Lord hath made. I shall be glad, I shall rejoice and be glad in it. And then this other thing I would share with you. Learn to live in the meantime. Learn to live in the meantime. You see, the meantime is that intervening time between now and then. That's that time between the present and the future. You know, we can have goals and dreams for tomorrow, and that's good, as long as we're faithful to serving God in the meantime. We can look back 
and appreciate the past and learn from the past. And that's good if we continue to live for today. So my friends, what I, what I would want to say to you today is this. On this last Sunday of 2019, where are you in your life? Have you in any way been putting life on hold? Have you been guilty of forfeiting the present because you've, you've just kind of viewed, viewed it as a, as a phase you're going through, a distraction you're trying to hurry through? Are you going through a difficult time in your life right now? Have you considered that God, the God who cares for you, may be wanting to teach you something through this experience? Would you begin praying earnestly that, that you might learn everything that God is trying to show you? It's the last Sunday of 2019, a new year on the horizon. But today and every day forward, let's seek to live for today because every day has a purpose under God. Don't let yesterday or tomorrow rob today of its purpose and value. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this lesson from the exiles. Thank you, Lord, for this letter written so long ago that could so easily have been written for us in our age. Father, I just pray right now that as we move to a time of response, as the Word has gone forth, I I pray, I trust, I believe that Your Holy Spirit has spoken to hearts. And, And Lord, You're speaking to each of us individually about different areas of need in our life. I pray right now that we might commit to, 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 to change, to, to make the steps that we need to make that would most honor and glorify you. And today, Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, maybe they've known about you, but they've never known you, I pray today would be the day they would make the step of faith and trust Christ as Savior. Father, we commit all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.